CME, where we interview industry thought leaders in governance, risk, and compliance on hot topics, industry-specific challenges, trends, and more to learn about your methods, solutions, and outlook in this space. Hi, this is Megan Fee with GRC and me. On today's episode, I sit down with James Reese. Jim, as I call him, is a managing director and principal security consultant at Razorthorn. And he has decades of experience in information security. And he's worked with some of the largest and most influential organizations around the world. So many of you might have caught our conversation on the Razorthorn Technology Spotlight series on YouTube. Or maybe you caught us live in London not too long ago, talking at our thought leadership event. But if you miss both, today you'll hear us speak about GRC, PCI, and what Jim is calling some quick wins information security officers and leaders can have within their organization. So now enjoy our conversation. Well, hi, Jim. It's great to see you again. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. It's sunny here in the UK for once. How's it over there? It's an absolute pleasure to be with you. Yes. Yeah. You're catching us on a good day here in Chicago. It's sunny and actually 80 degrees. So it's a beautiful day. (laughs) Last weekend, I think it was 30. So it's about right. Um, So 30 degrees Fahrenheit. But thank you for joining us. So what really led us today, I thought, you know, Jim, I would love to sit down with you because when we were talking the other day on your Razorthorn Technology Spotlight series, we talked a lot about the history of GRC and you know what we've both seen in the market over time. And one thing that popped up in that conversation, which was really interesting to me, was you know you'd mentioned something about some changes within PCI and in general in the nature of our industry is there's going to be changes to these frameworks and these requirements that we see in the space. And so I'd love to just get your perspective on what are you hearing, what are you seeing in the market, you know, in regards to some of these requirements. The whole history of compliance in general is is a bit of a funny one, you know. Way back when I started 25 plus years ago, we we didn't have anything. And then came along Sarbanes-Oxley because an American company in America decided it was a good idea to cause some issues from a financial point of view. And then, you know, it was around about the time that e-commerce started to get really big. And along with, you know, the next big fad comes people trying to either compromise it or find some way to game it for their own advantage, normally monetary advantage. And e-commerce suddenly started, was the next big thing where there was a lot of card theft going on. There was a lot of fraud. And the card brands kind of got together and said, look, we've all got this problem. We've all got our own set of different kind of security requirements that we've been sort of putting together and trying to enforce on people. But it's not really kind of working. There's, we need kind of like a universal thing. And out of that came PCI DSS. I mean, ISO 27001, which back then was uh, BS7799, had been around for a bit, but it wasn't, it wasn't anywhere near what it is today. And the first iterations of PCI were also... They were okay, but the, uh, there was a lot that needed to be improved on it. And the reason we got compliance in the first place really was all because people just weren't taking security seriously. And it wasn't those companies that were taking on the cost of that fraud. It was people like third parties, you know, the credit card companies, the acquirers, the banks and banking institutions, that kind of thing. 
So compliance is, uh, you know, was born really out of a need to kind of enforce a certain baseline level of security. And, and it was a big shock to the system of a lot of organizations who were used to kind of operating in a way where they weren't really regulated. They had to worry about like the IRS or over here, HMRC, you know, let's face it, <laughs> we've had to worry about those people for a long time now and sort of general legal and contractual obligations. But we've we've not been used to compliance. You know, you, you American people, you know, guys and gals over there are, are a lot more used to it than, than we are, you know, look at it that way or historically anyway. And it's kind of evolved over time. And we have reached a point where... ISO 27001, PCI DSS, Lexel, if you're a legal entity over here, at least in Europe or the UK, and a a HIPAA, if you're over in the States, there's a a whole plethora of different legislations, and they all have very similar requirements, all with very different ways of kind of of what they're, they're trying to protect. So PCI DSS card information. ISO 27001, it's all about key assets and making sure the security and the governance is there. HIPAA, obviously, medical records and that kind of thing. And Lexel, obviously, legal case information, that kind of thing. But when you actually read through a lot of them, they've all been tracking in the same kind of direction. In the early days, it was very technical security. That's what they cared about. Do you have AV? Do you have firewalls? You know, that kind of thing. But it's now moving into the governance side of things. It has been for a while, and it's getting tougher and tougher now with a lot of these standards to meet those governance requirements without having good security people and professionals within the organization. You know, in the early days of a lot of this compliance, you could do it very much with IT people as a general rule, maybe with some input in from finance and legal people and the rest of it. But now you just can't do it. And, you know, one of the reasons we had you on the spotlight on technology series that we do is because GRC is becoming such an important aspect of how to manage your security programs. And a large chunk of that now is is really sort of driven by the need for compliance. Seemingly, there's no organization industry that I've come across where there isn't some form of security compliance and and legislation, even down to manufacturing, car manufacturing, the fact that now we're moving over to like autonomous cars, we're moving over to, you know, cars which are very much run by computer now compared to what they were 25 years ago, something went wrong with it, you took it to a mechanic, he smacked around with a hammer and, you know, various other tools. And before you knew it, you had your car back. Now they plug it in to things and they get it to analyze itself and you could be in traffic and all of a sudden your car turns off and it's not because you're you know something in the engine's gone wrong necessarily it could be just because the computer's decided it's going to give up the ghost and all of this stuff has really driven compliance into pretty much every aspect of every organization and what we do there's not much left now pci dss is is reaching a point now where uh, you know, the last iteration, they declared it as mature. So what they decided to do then was rather than kind of release updates on a cycle of like three years or whatever, they would release updates as and when they required with the same kind of consultation from the QSA community and the participating companies community. But I think, you know, we went through, and again, we covered this on on the other video, didn't we? You know, there's been a big culture shock for compliance in the last two, three years. We've had the pandemic. We've dramatically changed the way that we've worked. 
compliance is very much being driven down towards you know making sure your governance is being effectively and efficiently managed that you understand risks you know that you're you understand your assets that you're doing sort of research into your own business on on what key assets are you know key third parties is another big one that's come out of all of this the massive change from on-premise to virtualization and then from virtualization over to as a service to not only drive costs down, but to allow for us to work in a way that, you know, we don't have to be in the office anymore. We still have the same ability, but security has become more and more important as that progression has gone. And compliance takes a little while to catch up. The latest iteration of PCI, when you read through it, you can definitely see where they're going with it. And, and they've always said they track where the current trends are, and the current trends are very much ransomware. They're very much locking out people from systems and services you know our whole defense in depth aspect of what we as information security people consider has dramatically changed as well and to 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 track the changes and to understand the changes and the changing risk landscape and the the, the effect with compliance and maintaining our compliance as well because a lot of these models require you to do consistent ongoing things to maintain compliance it's not just oh you know we've got it all signed off by the auditor and now he'll go, he or she'll go away for a, for two three years and we'll just have to worry about it in two three years time they want to see a consistency behind it so yeah it's changed a lot and it's going to change as well compliance only gets more complex it never kind of relaxes i've noticed that's right and that's the thing is like the constant in our lives uh, personally and professionally has changed right and we can assume that this compliance frameworks will evolve and um, as they should and mature and speak more to the times and the climate that we're all working in so what advice would you share with those listening that you know are on that kind of maturity journey you know they're trying to get their arms around PCI compliance they might be on a journey to better secure their their organizations and maybe even venture as far as trying to obtain future security certifications. You know, what are, that's a big question, but what are some early foundational guiding principles would you share with folks? Absolutely. Yeah. First and foremost, a couple of points really to remember when you're doing this, when you're going down the infosec journey, as I like to term it, you know, when you're, when you're starting out, first and foremost, you have to understand the business. Okay. You have to understand what it does. You have to understand how it generates revenue. You have to understand what its key assets are. And its key assets aren't just digital. A lot of people associate information security or cybersecurity with purely digital-based countermeasures and systems. That is nowhere near the case anymore. Maybe 25 years ago when I was getting into it, yes, it was all very focused in that area. And yet, all our lives are driven by technology, but technology doesn't drive our business. You know, it doesn't drive our lives. We utilize it as tools, you know, in the same way as we did with typewriters and various other things that we dealt with sort of 25 years ago. But now it's all driven by technology. So in order to really secure a business, you have to do your homework. You have to understand your assets. You have to understand what the business is there to do. You also have to look at the power base within a company. And that's really important because there's always a section of individuals or a department or some kind of guiding light within an organization who drive where the company is going. And those are the people that you've really got to build a very good rapport with because any changes that you make, there's a lot of resistance to security quite often because quite often the perception is that you're you're there to stop them from doing something that they've done 
for years beforehand or to prevent them from making a profit or to just generally cause trouble. And that's not really the case. So by gaining that rapport early on, any changes that you make and the fact that you understand the business and you understand the assets and you understand where a lot of these people are coming from when they come up with issues or complaints, then you can work much, much better with them to kind of belay those fears and actually start making some real change. The other quick win is get a full technical and business rundown of the organization, get some pen testing done, you know, inside and outside, very important for the cyber side of things. Understand how your defense in depth is built from a technical and a governance sense. You know, defense in depth is like an iceberg. You only see the really tip and the top of it. There's a whole plethora of policies, procedures, and technology that sit underneath the waterline that make up your whole defense in depth. And once you've analyzed what you have currently, if you have anything, that's the frightening thing here, then you can start looking objectively. And that's when GRC tools come in and are really important because. Doing the analysis, you've got to put that analysis somewhere. You've got to be able to correlate what you're doing back to that initial kind of review and that understanding. Because one of the key things a lot of people get wrong in InfoSec very early on is not being able to prove the return on investment the business is making with the amounts that they're budgeting to you. You have to be able to prove it. And the difficulty here is if you're doing security right and you're doing it really well, you don't have events or you have very few. And when you do, you recover from them really quickly. And it's a double-edged sword because, yes, you're being efficient and effective in protecting the organization, but the organization doesn't see events they don't understand or they start to question how much they need the security that they have because they don't have problems. They've never had issues. So GRC is important because you can track the events. And, you know, I... Again, I go back to our conversation. I remember a time when we tracked it in Excel spreadsheets and uh, you know, access databases and, and in various different ways that really didn't correlate in any way, shape, or form. We couldn't draw it all back in. Compliance, good example, was done manually, you know, and still it does continue today to be a manual thing. But GRC has always been very expensive tooling. And nowadays it's very different with, with companies like yourself. And there's very few price it at a reasonable rate that medium-sized companies and smaller companies who make up the by the way the the, the main bulk of our economies you know be it here in the UK or be it over there in the US everybody goes for the big companies oh you know let's let's go and get those on board and get them to buy our products they price it in a way that that satisfies a large company or a large organization it's outside the remit of most medium-sized organizations which means they don't do their security properly because they can't track it properly. And if they're third parties servicing those you know, those larger organizations, then potentially they're a security risk to their own customers through third-party chain issues, which is what a lot of focus is in a lot of compliance is moving towards. So, yeah, I think, you know, quick wins, know the business, understand where it's coming from, understand its culture, another big one, because you're going to have to make a lot of changes, no doubt track all of that in a way that allows you to prove your return on investment to the powers that be because that will come up very quickly and very early mm -hmm. especially when you start asking for expensive products <laughs> you know we want to refresh our endpoint security will prove to me why we need to you know need to do that if you can pull out from your grc tool your risk you know your risk ratings what your workings were 
incidents in the past and, and refer them back to assets and so on and so forth, it's a stronger message. So GRC is exceedingly important. Um, but those are probably your, your quickest wins. And uh, have a have a thick skin. Yeah, oh, I like that. Yes. <laughs> Don't take it too personal. You oh, never, yes. never take it personally. You might be overcoming some legacy <laughs> experiences too, especially if you're new to a company or new to a role. So I love that. Okay. Well, you alluded to a couple of them, but my my last kind of official question before we get to a fun one to wrap up here is, you know, obviously we came together through the spirit of partnership in the market and we see that there's a great value with the two of us helping um, organizations, you know, from not just your breadth and depth of experience and advisory lens, but then obviously couple that with technology such as Risk Cloud. And you, you spoke on a couple of things, but I'd love to get your perspective about, you know, you've seen a lot of technology in the market and in the space, but you have selected, you know, our partnership and you've selected to lean in and, and learn more about the Risk Cloud. And you alluded to things like, you know, we're, we're inclusive, we're um, fit for purpose, kind of price for purpose. And it's not just for those elite to enterprise customers anymore. It's really more accessible for all. But I would love to hear more if there's anything else really else that was um, interesting to you about, you know, why did this strategic partnership for you make sense at Razor Thorne? There's a number of different reasons. I mean, you know... I'll pull back a little bit to the you know on that question to to kind of like the security landscape when it comes to to providers and vendors. At the moment, it's a massive space. There's a lot of emerging technology in the security space. You know, new companies pop up every five minutes, and it's really hard sometimes. You know, even when you're embedded in this, to kind of really track who's bought what or who's where, and you know. It, it's tough. What I like about you guys is you're really approachable and you're really, I mean, we've had a number of conversations. I've spoken with your techies and, and all the rest of it. And you guys are among the first sort of GRC tools to come out that have learned the lessons from the history, which is horribly expensive, horribly over, over manufactured, providing all kinds of stuff that people don't necessarily want or need. And, you know, your developers and the people who came up with, with your product in the early days have obviously put thought and time and effort into where it all went, went badly wrong and what, the, what your early day competitors were like. And you've, you've differentiated yourself in a variety of different ways. You know, some of it is very, you know, very cool technology, like your risk-based stuff, the way that you present and the dashboards and all the rest of it. But I think for, for me as a security person, it's also around the philosophy I get from talking to you guys you're passionate about what you do you genuinely care you listen to feedback people very rarely ever listen to me and you know unless they're asking me for a piece of work but you guys you know you take on board some of the stuff that i've said and 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 are looking at it i know internally and and you know we've discussed it a number of times that's very rare for an organization normally they kind of they have their vision and that's what they're going for they don't honestly look at the market and what the market wants and needs. You know, compliance is big. I want to track compliance. I'm a CISO. At the moment, we've got a CISO as a service. We do it for about five or six different companies. I have to track alongside my people, five or six different people's set of risks, countermeasures, defense in depth, compliance levels, whether they're going through a project, whether they're not going through a project. We can't do that without a good GRC tool. Now, some of those people are using like the more legacy GRC tools. They're waiting for the end of their, you know, their their license period. 
but we are definitely going through a, a big refresh in technology. And I think, you know, the pandemic, dare I ask, you know, dare I say, really drove that because it changed the way people work. So we had to start looking at different products. As we started looking at different products, we started saying, well, I can't manage like 15 different dashboards and provide stats for my bosses on where we are or the auditor when he comes in. By doing all of this, what we need is we need something where we can record all of this stuff in a more efficient way, in a modular way, in a way that allows us to, to use what we need to use, but not kind of buy some ancient, archaic piece of relic programming that does everything, but we have to go through 15 years worth of training to actually understand how it works. I want to go in, you know, I want to sort out the risk, that kind of thing. And, and you guys have really nailed it. Plus, you're fun to talk to, which, let's face it, it's quite a dry area of security. It really is. But no, you guys really nailed it. And us at Razorthorn, when we pick partners, and we've got a good partner set of lists, you know, in a variety of different different areas, we only pick the best. We only pick those that we think our customers are going to enjoy working with, because it is a partnership in this day and age. Everything's as a service. You know, if my... You know, my GRC sort of cloud as a service goes down. I, I Before, it was all on-premise. So if it went down, it was usually because somebody had taken the database offline or whatever. But we have to work a lot tighter now with our key suppliers and our key vendors. And weirdly enough, I mean, if you look at a lot of compliance now, that they start to ask, you know, how do you manage, you know, how do you look at the security of your key vendors? So, you know, expect that as a bit of a, a, bit of a tip for you guys. You're going to get started asked a lot more to prove that but you guys are an open book you'll sit down you'll talk about it you won't kind of hide behind the marketing it's like if someone's genuinely got a question boom they get an answer okay if it's complex you might have to wait a day or two but you're going to get an answer with a lot of the vendors out there you don't get that they won't communicate efficiently with you whereas you guys are brilliant so you've got a great tool you've 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 thought long and hard about how you're going to put it together the component pieces that go into that tool, what we need to see as, as security people as well. And you're open to people feeding back to you. And security is going down that route where it's a two-way street across the board now, you know. And and I just love your style, really. Well, Jim, we plus one, we can't say enough about, you know, working with your team as well. But I I what you said a couple things that I really stuck with me, and you're right. Because I was thinking about my own tech stack that I use. And over the last three years, we aren't able to just pop into a coworker's office and talk about the risk posture and compliance posture. And then, okay, fine, we use this difficult system, but we've had a nice dialogue to get the insights that we needed. Now, being remote and heavily remote, so many folks are beholden to the insights and the reports that they're getting every day, whatever it may be, to tell us the whole story. It's just less accessible as global entities now to pop over and get these snippets of information. So it just needs to be that source where it's connected, it's holistic, it allows us to take strategic risks and get the whole story. And I think you're right. I think we're all kind of like, with anything, doing some reflection, right? What happened in the last three years? Where do we, what systems are really optimizing our strategy? What systems are you know, derailing our success or impacting or impeding our success. And so I think you're right. I love what you said a little bit about like, this is kind of a, a point for people to reflect and think this technology that I've been staring at for 12 hours a day in my office, is this a tool and the platform that's going to help us reach our next goals as we strategically evolve and go? So, yeah, I mean, you, you actually, one thing before we move on that you make a very good point there, you know, 
comms is changing and you know we're not talking as we did three years ago and communicating so we can't talk around a risk anymore or we can't talk around an investigation we do but not not like we did so everything is becoming more stats driven and that just leads more credence to grc in general because if you don't have a good grc tool to present what you're saying in a way you know you're not going to be sat in front of the boss anymore. You're going to have a team's conversation. I can't, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people saying, I just don't go in the office anymore. I, you know, and, and it's interesting, you know, I just thought I'd add to that. Yeah, you're t- you're absolutely right. Yeah, there's just not that chance for airtime to talk about it. You know, at nauseum, you really have to document it succinctly, have that connected data and let anyone who's reading it digest and understand. And I know we've talked about that, you know, we're seeing this trend where, it's about even normalizing the way we look at risks into pounds and sterling and dollars and cents and all of that, right? Into euros. It's about a financial look at this. And I know the IT has been a leader in that space. But yes, well, wonderful. Well, Jim, we've talked about the serious nature of our work and what's going on in the market. And so would love to just wrap up our conversation today with just a fun one. So, you know, what do you do these days to get a laugh? What are you doing out there to have some fun? Okay, something that a lot of people don't know about us, and I'm probably not going to get thanked by some of my staff members, a number of people at Razorthorn get together usually three or four times a year. We haven't had been able to do it because of the pandemic. Get decked out in armor, pick up swords, shields and axes, and engage in medieval warfare is probably the best way to describe it with about two to 3,000 other people in a field. And you were saying you had some mates, some connections that have had a little bit of celebrity spotlight. Tell us about it. Yeah. So when you, I mean, we've been doing kind of like this kind of medieval battling now for 20 odd years. And I've known a lot of people in that community for a long, long time. And quite often when the big films or big television programs where they require a lot of people who are used to wearing armor, wielding swords and actually hitting one another are required things like you know game of thrones that kind of thing they normally call upon various different communities and ours included yeah i've known i've known armorers i knew the guy who developed the original armor style for the night's watch on the wall i actually have a cloak very similar to one of theirs and yeah we've a lot of people work in a lot of films there's been people who've worked for Things like Robin Hood back in the day. You know, there's mm-hmm. been like two versions of Robin Hood. I know people who worked on both of those. Braveheart. Or Archerist. You said Archerist, right, too? They, archers, they yeah, yeah. I know quite a few archers who, who've been used in filming and all the rest of it. It's quite fun. You Apparently, you get to spend a lot of time standing around in the cold because obviously a lot <laughs> of it's filmed in the UK rather than nice places. And, uh, you know, you'll stand around for eight hours and, and you'll battle for about, 20 minutes if you're lucky so it's not all fun but uh yeah that's what me and a few of the other people here guys and gals here at Razorthorn do and then we all go down the pub afterwards go down the tavern for an ale Mm, there you go some mead Mm -hmm. yeah there There you go go. oh that's great fun I know um yeah the the life of an extra is (laughs) there's a lot of waiting and um anticipation but as a movie buff as a film buff I always aspire to be in that, you know, in the corner of a a scene or something, but that's awesome. 
Jim, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts today in the market. As always, it's great to come together and just, you know, get your perspective on what's going on and the history and the evolution of where we are today. So thank you for joining us on an episode of GRC and me. Thank you for having me. And um, it's been an absolute pleasure, Megan. Sounds great. Have a great day. Cheers. You too. And if you want to continue the conversation on governance, risk, and compliance, join us at our third annual user conference, Agility, on September 22nd and 23rd. You can join us virtually or in person at the Swiss Hotel in downtown Chicago. Just visit agility.logigate.com for more information. And until next time, this is Megan Fee with GRC and me.